Now, tonight, we have a very special treat. So we have the Spears this weekend. Possibly, Sister Tenny, not sure. But we've got some, some special guests this weekend. But tonight, we've got the most special guest of all. We got Aaron Cox that's going to bring the word to us. We love Aaron. I love Aaron. He is a wonderful guy. I want you to come share the word, son. Do your thing. I thought he was going to preach for me for a second there. I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> uh, first of all, wow, I never, I never really thought that I'd be up here um, speaking. It makes me a little emotional, honestly, because I just, I told myself I'd never do this. I, I gave it a shot once. I told myself that's not for me. And uh, God has a way of doing some funny things sometimes. Uh, but I, I feel at peace about this, and I, I feel like it's really just God has led me to this moment. And um, so... Anyway, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Pastor Donovan and Valerie for believing in me and for giving me this opportunity. That's pretty cool. And um, so anyway, I'm going to pray and then jump into it. Thank you, God, again, for everything you've done for me. Thank you for what you've done for this church. I pray, God, that you would speak through me tonight, anoint me, and we invite your presence into this place, God. Speak to us in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the year was 2008, and shoes were laced, jerseys were on, the lights were up, and Shongaloo basketball homecoming was happening. <laughs> if you don't know where Shongaloo is, it's about 10 minutes from Sarepta. If you don't know where Sarepta is, it's about 30 minutes from Minden. If you don't know where Minden is, it's about 30 minutes from Shreveport. You get the picture. So other than farming, basketball was their life in Shongaloo. And they had scheduled us for homecoming. I'm not so sure why. I can only guess because we were terrible. And, uh, but we were as ready for war as we possibly could have been. And so we showed up to that gym. And I want to give a prerequisite uh, to this story. See, in Sarepta, we were a 1A school, and at that time, um, there were a couple of other 1A schools in our dis district. Um, one was Evangel Academy. The other was Calvary Baptist. And so these were very expensive private schools, and we were a Sarepta High School. And so these teams would literally uh, say, hey, come to our school. We'll, um, we'll either pay you to play or give you a percentage off of tuition. And so you can imagine how good these schools were. And so here we are about to play these teams. Probably most of these kids went to college and played basketball. But to us, these opponents were giants. They, they were, some of them were six foot six, six foot seven. In the NBA, that's normal. In Sarepta, that is not normal. And so <laughs> honestly, though, I believe that some of those teams we could have possibly beat, but a lot of times we had accepted a loss before we even went in because we had lost so many times. And instead of our mindset being, okay, maybe we can win this game, our mindset was, oh, I hope I don't get dunked on today. <laughs> and so that was our attitude going into these games. Um, somehow our coach, Tony Mullins, shout out to him, 
Uh, somehow he always believed in us. Thank you, Coach Tony. Here I am today because of you. If I had a dollar for every time he said, Cox, go block out and get the rebound, I would probably be pretty rich. For <laughs> somehow he always had some optimism. I don't know where it came from. But um, all of that said, there's a similar story, believe it or not, in the Bible that also talks about giants. In Numbers 13, it says that the Lord said to go scout out the land. He's talking to Moses here. Moses is the leader of the Israelites. And so Moses is obedient, and he says, okay, guys, go scout out the land. So he sends 12 leaders. And they came back, and they reported to the whole community what the land was like. And I want to pick up in verse 27. It says this. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. They even brought some fruit with them to to show Moses and the people. But then they said, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean. But here's Caleb, one of the 12 that went to the land. Caleb says, he, he tried to quiet the people from this uproar that was about to begin. And so verse 30 says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. He said, we certainly can conquer it. But 31 says, but the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We cannot go up against them, they said. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report through the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes in there. All people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So that's a pretty, if somebody came back and told me that, I might be a little bit scared too. Um, But 10 of the 12 leaders came back with this report. They said, we agree with you, Moses. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a land that has some good-looking fruits. It even says they brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big that two people had to carry them. I've never had grapes like that. I don't know about you guys. But uh, Caleb, like I said, Caleb tried to quiet them. He tried to encourage them to take the land immediately. The others disagreed. The, the bad word spread among the people. And so here's, here's a thought I had. Whose report will you believe? God told them that they could have that land. Not only did God tell them that, but Moses, their leader, also said that. And so here's these people refusing to believe not only their leader, but also God. So number four, uh, Numbers 14, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but just to break it down, here's what happens. The people wept and protested. If only we had died in Egypt or here in the wilderness, they said. They said they would have rather died or gone back to Egypt than go into that promised land. That amazes me. So they said, wouldn't it be best if we just returned to Egypt? Let's just choose a new leader, they said. Joshua and Caleb explained that the Lord, they try again to be positive. Joshua and Caleb explained that God will bring them into the land. They say, don't rebel, don't be afraid. They are helpless prey to us. 
But the community, the Bible says, wanted to stone them at this point. The presence of the Lord then shows up, and God says this, Will they never believe me, even after all the miraculous signs I've done for them? And we're talking about the Israelites here. We're talking about people that they've seen the Red Sea part. They have been brought out of Egypt. They saw the plagues. And here they are. God has, has prepared them, and it's their time to shine. They've come out of the wilderness. It's their time to take the land, and they, they refuse. They, they'd rather believe the negative report of the ten spies. And one version says that the people incited rebellion. So there was a rebellion going on here. They knew what they were doing. They were intentionally going against God's plan. So Moses intercedes for the people. He points out that the other nations need to see God follow through with his word rather than killing the Israelites. So he's saying, God, please don't kill these people. Please give us another chance. Um, he, He says, prove your power. Please pardon their sins. And God says, not one of those people except Caleb and Joshua, I believe, because they remain loyal. Not one of them will see the promised land. You can die pardoned but still live without God's complete promise active in your life. I'll say that again. You can die pardoned, forgiven, but still living without God's complete promise in your life. So they set out for the wilderness again, back into the wilderness. The Lord punishes the Israelites. They're still complaining. But the Bible says they'll drop dead in the wilderness. Your children will wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The spies were in the land for 40 days, so that's a a year for each day that the spies were in there. So here's the problem. The Israelites' way of thinking cost them their promise and more. How did the Israelites think? What was on their minds, I wonder? They focused on the negative report. They doubted God and doubted Moses, even after all God had done for them. They would have preferred being captive and being slaves over ordered over being in the promised land. They would have chosen that. They said, I'd rather do it my way. I have a better idea. It sounds kind of silly to us. It really like it sounds silly to me. What what are you thinking, guys? Why can't you go into this promised land? But honestly, what it sounds like, it sounds kind of like us a lot of times. God's done so much for us, but yet we choose to forget a lot of times. He says, you can have this, you can have this blessing, you can have this promise, but a lot of times we just brush them off. Oh, no, God, we don't want that. We would rather have it our way. God, help us not to be like that. They were listening. Here, here's a thought. Why, why, why their thoughts like this? Why was this? They were listening to the wrong voices, for one. Number two, they were thinking the wrong thoughts. They were saying the wrong words. They wanted control. And they determined their ending rather than let God determine it. They determined it. And in a sense, they built up internal walls. They were no longer open to God's promise and plan. So here's my question. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Are you listening to your leaders? Are you listening to Pastor Donovan and Valerie? Are you listening to God 
Is God trying to nudge you in a certain direction? Is he trying to get you out of your comfort zone? Do you think it was comfortable for them after hearing that negative report to go into the promised land? I can't imagine that it was. It was uncomfortable. So are you listening to your leaders? Are you listening to God? Or are you listening to yourself? At risk of sounding a little bit old school here, I'd like to ask you this. What are you listening to? What voices have a platform in your home? What songs, what videos, what movies, and what's coming out of your mouth? What's going into your eyes, what's going into your ears, and what's coming out of your mouth? Because the things that go into your eyes and ears will inevitably affect what comes out of your mouth. And that's the truth. Thank you, Jesus. God help us. Your thinking can keep you from your promise, like I've already said. And maybe tonight your giant is your thinking. Maybe God has some stuff for you, and all it takes is just changing your mindset, just changing your way of thinking. Maybe your thoughts have become like a fortified city, giant walls surrounding them, protecting them. Maybe you're protecting your insecurities, your anxious thoughts, your doubt and unbelief, your negativity. Maybe you're protecting some anger you have built up towards someone or something or some situation you have no control of. Maybe you've tried a hundred times to to follow the dream God's put in your heart. Maybe you've tried and you've tried, but it just seems like every step forward, there's two steps backward. Maybe your acceptance of, well, I guess this is how it'll always be, has been in your mind. Maybe it's been there for a few days, or maybe it's been there for years. My question is, what are you thinking? What's on your mind? What thoughts haunt you day in and day out? What if my family's never saved? And I promise I'm going to get positive here in a minute. But I just want to, I want to relate to some people. What if my family's never saved? What if I don't fulfill God's promise for my life or his purpose for my life? Better yet, God, what even is my purpose? Because I've been there. I'm still trying to find his purpose, but here I am. And praise God for that. I'm very thankful. So what's God's purpose for your life? What if I don't receive that promotion? What if I don't get recognized for doing this good deed that I know I should do? What if I don't have the money to pay my bills? What if I don't make it into grad school? What if I don't even pass this test in high school? What if I don't make it to college? What if, what if, what if? We play that game far too often. We have to stop. The walls that we build up feel like protection. And this is so cool to me. Just like the Israelites' negativity felt like protection. The walls that you've built up in your mind, it feels like you're protecting yourself. Just like the Israelites' negativity, they felt like they were being protected from those giants in that land. What are they really protecting you from? I can tell you they're protecting you from a life more abundantly and from God's promises being active in your life. That's what our thoughts protect us from. It's a rewarding way of thinking because it offers you a feeling of control. And we all like control as humans. And in a sense, you are in control. But what's much more liberating than that is the feeling of just saying, God, I surrender. Sometimes these walls that I'm talking about can become what the Bible calls strongholds. So what's a stronghold? A stronghold is a way of thinking over and over and over and over and over. And here's what I like to imagine in my mind. 
you have bricks, and every time you have that negative thought, you add a brick. And over time, if you keep having those thoughts, you're adding more and more bricks, more and more bricks to the wall. And so the higher the wall gets and the more protection we feel. And it feels like safety, but it's really not. Eventually a wall is built. But here's the great thing about that. The Bible says that God can tear those down. God has the ability to tear those down. And I was reminded of this story. Um, I think most of us have heard it. It's the walls of Jericho, Joshua 6. The story of the walls of Jericho. God promises the children of Israel, Jericho. And here we see again, Joshua is on the scene just like he was in the other scripture I read in Numbers. So here they go. Joshua Joshua and the Israelites, they begin to walk around the walls. And I'm going to get really brave here. (laughs) So they begin to walk around the walls. And Joshua says to the people, not one single word. And you want to know why he says that? I believe that he says that because Joshua was there with Caleb, with Moses, and with those rebellious, stubborn Israelites. And they talked themselves out of God's promise. And so Joshua says, not today, guys. You're not talking yourself out of this promise. These walls are coming down. And so you know what happens? The walls do come down because they're obedient to their leadership and they're obedient to God. Hallelujah. It took them courage. It took them faith. It took them, it took them having obedience to God and to leadership. It took no negativity. And here's another thing. It took time. Sometimes it's a process. The walls can come down. You just have to surrender to God totally. God wants you to bring him all of your negativity, all of your bad thoughts. He knows them anyway. He knows everything. He knows the way you've been thinking. He knows your dirt. He knows your vulnerability. He wants to take your sins. All you have to do is give them to him. All you have to do is let go. You may say, Aaron, how does one do such a thing? And I'm here to give you some good news. Like I said, it's not easy. Sometimes it's a process. You have to learn how to think properly again. Because you've been thinking a little stinky for far too long. Um, Ken Gurley one time said, stinking thinking. I like that. So you got to get rid of that stinking thinking. You may have to walk around those walls again and again for days and days. Thirteen times they walked around those walls total. It took them days and days. And you know what? Those walls didn't budge at first, but they kept on going, and eventually they came down. And the same thing can happen for you guys. Here's a cool fact I read the other day. Your mind thinks, allegedly, 300 to 1,000 words per minute. And I also read that you dream 2,000 daydreams in one day. So controlling that, I don't know about to you, but that sounds pretty daunting to me. That's a lot of thoughts and a lot of words. So here's the moment you've all been waiting for, the solution. So here we go. Philippians 4, 4 through 8, very popular passage of Scripture. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. 
let everyone you see that you are let every let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Tell him with your mouth, not with your thoughts. Tell God what you need and thank him with your mouth, not your thoughts, what he is for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace that passeth all understanding. And verse 8 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think on these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. I love that. That even reading it right now is a weight off of my shoulders because you can give it all to him. There's a process here, and I, I have a hard time believing that the order of this scripture is by accident because here's what it says. Number one, it says to rejoice. Follow these in this process when you have those thoughts coming back up that you've had a million times. Let me tell you something. You've had them time and time again. And look at yourself, you're still having them. So why not try this? Try something a little bit different. I had to do it. I know you may think, well, who are you to say, well, I've been there, guys. I've been there. And I've tried this and it works because it's the word of God. It always works. Number one, rejoice. Number two, don't worry, but pray. Tell God, like I said, with your voice and surrender all. Donovan always says it. Don't fight thoughts with thoughts. Fight thoughts with words. Get alone. If you're at work, get alone for a little bit and just say, God, I'm struggling. I need you. And find some scriptures that go against whatever that opposition is and pray those promises. Number three, thank him. Remember what God has done. This is what the Israelites should have done. They should have remembered what God has done. But this verse, these scriptures tell us to do that. Number four, experience his peace that sometimes doesn't make any sense. It's the most beautiful thing. Number five, last but not least, think on these things that says, I found whenever I try to think on these things before I rejoice and pray, it's a lot harder because then you are fighting the thoughts with thoughts. I found that it does me best to follow the scripture in order and pray first and then think on those things. What's great is we have the scripture with great instruction, but it even gets better. We have God's spirit. Ephesians 4 says this, verse 23, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts. You have to let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is a spiritual war. You're not fighting against that person you think you're fighting against. It's spiritual. And sometimes maybe something's said to you and you're upset and the devil will get up there in your mind and you'll think it over and over and over. How many times have we done this? We say, ah, you walk away from a situation and you say, man, I should have said this. Man, I should have said that. So we start thinking, right? If you're not careful, like I talked about earlier, you could start adding another brick to the wall. 
That's not a place you want to go. So another thing, 2 Corinthians 10. We're human, but we don't wage war like humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. A lot of times those things that you've conjured up in your head aren't even true, and yet you are thinking them over and over. I have done it. I don't understand why we do this. But verse 4 says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and that those strongholds can come down, and that those arguments are false. Verse 5 says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I've got one more scripture, Ephesians 6. This one's a little bit lengthy, but it's very, very powerful, and I feel like it fits this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, the, on God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits. This is a spiritual place, guys. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be able to stand firm. 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith. It goes on the, the full armor of God. And then verse 18, here it is. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You have to be persistent in your prayers and you have to pray in the spirit. What does praying in the spirit look like? I believe it looks like speaking in tongues. And that is such a powerful thing because we as humans don't understand what we're saying. But God understands. And maybe the enemy, enemy understands. And if you begin doing that, praying the word and speaking in another language that God gives you, then I can tell you the enemy is going to go away. And those thoughts are going to go away because the Bible says that it's so. In Jesus' name. So speak the word. The word is your ammunition. This is a warfare. When you're in war, you need ammo. Well, there you go. Your ammo is the word. Speak it. Use it. You'll be tempted to go back to those stinky thoughts again. And your inner carpenter will want to start building those walls again. <laughs> we were made in the image of God. God became Jesus. Jesus was a carpenter. Maybe we all have an inner carpenter somewhere. So you're naturally going to want to start building those walls again, but stop. Let God destroy them. Quote the scriptures. Submit yourself to the word. Don't die in the wilderness whenever God's promise is just one step of faith away. Don't die in the wilderness whenever God's promise is one step of faith away. Let's all stand. So I asked myself today, what thoughts does Aaron Cox struggle with? And like I said earlier, 2,000 day dreams, 300 to 1,000 words a minute. I can't even keep up with what I'm thinking about sometimes. So what thoughts do I struggle with? Well, here's a personal story about 
something I struggle with and still worry about sometimes to this day. I doubted God's promise and I was a little bit worried. I still worry sometimes. And what I was worried about was finances. That's what I wanna talk to you real quick about. We can all relate to that. We all deal with money. And um, I don't know if you remember if you were here, but Brother Marcelli came, uh, I think it was back in March. And wow, at that time, I know that was just a few months ago and it's amazing to see what God's done, but I was struggling at that point just with doubt and insecurity. And I'm, I've desperately been trying to find God, what is my purpose? What do I need to do? What's my next step? And so here's, here's some scriptures I use to, to fight those worries about finances. And each one of you don't need to just copy these scriptures. They're for everyone. They're amazing scriptures, but what you need to do is you need to say, I'm struggling with these types of thoughts. And you need to go and see what the word says about those types of thoughts. Here's what I did. I started reading Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Malachi 3.10, where it talks about tithing. He'll give you a blessing that you can't even contain. You don't even know what to do with it. It's so big. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory to Christ Jesus. If you're sold out to God, do you really think that he's gonna leave you and abandon you? If you step out by faith and you even think, God, maybe this is the direction you're calling me, he's not gonna leave you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Matthew 6, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, do not worry about your body. What you will wear, is it not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. They don't plan anything. They don't have a thought process. They just do it. And yet the heavenly father feeds them. Wow. Are you not much more valuable than they? The scripture says, I would hope so. You need to think that of yourself. Some of you may struggle with that. God, I'm not worth anything, but God cares so much about you. He'll do anything for you. He died on a cross for you. The it amazes me. The king of all kings created every single thing in this universe was around. Doesn't doesn't exist in our form of time. He, that God, came down, robed himself in flesh, and died a painful, painful death. He did that for you. That wasn't a waste of time. He's given you ammo. That's some ammo right there. Pull that out and read about it. Matthew 6 goes on to say, seek first the kingdom and these things will be added to you. Seek him first. Put him first. Seek him first. When you're walking around those walls and nothing's moving, nothing's changing, and it looks like, God, where are you at? You told me to do this. You told me to go here. You told me to do this. Where are you at now? And the walls still haven't moved. But let me tell you this. Just keep on walking. Keep on praying the word. Keep on obeying his promises. And he'll come through and those walls will fall. Those strongholds will fall. 
Those thoughts that you've been struggling with will go away after, after time. Just to be obedient to his word and seek him first. Speak the word. Be obedient. It trumps our plans every single time. Every single time. His word and his plan trumps mine. Think of the best, most successful life you can think of. His is better. It may be a little uncomfortable. It may ask you to take some risk that, oh, man, I'm a little scared of that. That doesn't make sense to my human logic, but to him it makes perfect sense. And you have to step out and trust him. Let me encourage you, step out and trust him. Test him. He will not fail you. You may go through the wilderness for a season, but when God says it's time to come out, come out with confidence and come out with the word. You may come out with some cuts and bruises. You may come out with some hurts and pains, but you're going to come out and you're going to see God's promises come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. I want to show you something. That message that Brother Marcelli preached, he told us to lay our wallets on the altar. And you know what? I did. And I had been worried and worried. God, what am I going to do? for retirement? What am I going to do for even my bills this month? We've all probably been there. What am I going to do? I don't get it. I'm stuck. Where are you? Where are you? The walls are still up. And we laid our wallets on the altar. And I feel like this was step one of removing that stronghold in my life. And what it was, I went and bought a new wallet because the more I looked at my wallet right there, here it is. This is the old one. It's all beat up and falling apart. I think I got it in junior high. It probably went to that Shangaloo game with me. And so this wallet's seen a lot of defeat, a lot of losses because of that. But you know what? It may sound strange. And the wallet that I got now doesn't have some superpower or it doesn't automatically generate money and fundage and mutual funds, and it doesn't automatically get me out of debt. But you know what? Every time I see that wallet, I remember God's promise. I remember his promise. He'll never fail. And I can tell you this, in the past few months, God's blessed me more financially than he ever has in my entire life. And he'll keep on doing it. Just wait and see. And not only will he do it for me, he'll do it for you. It may not be finances, it may be something else. But right now, I just, I feel God's presence. And I just want us all to come up front. Let's all come up front and pray. We all have something that we can work on and trust God more on. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, if we're not, if we don't know what our strongholds are per se, if we don't know what those thoughts we struggle with are, I pray that you would reveal them to us. And God, help us to take captive over those thoughts. I pray that you would pull down strongholds in the name of Jesus Christ. God, you died for us. God, we are valuable. You have called us to live a life more abundantly. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.